This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andrea Peter from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. This is Brant Bjork. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening. Hey, what's up? This is Kyle from The Sword, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Steven Taylor with Super Joint and Philip and Summer on the Illegos, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Welcome, one and all, to episode 146 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and we are back with another episode this week after being away with various issues last week we released three episodes of mars attacks we also did our first episode of the victor m ruiz podcast i just before doing this podcast i recorded episode two which will be up uh, probably tonight if not tomorrow saturday Depends on how much energy I have left. It's 5 to 1 in the morning here, Spanish time. And yeah, after working on Ear Peeler all day, and today's actually the end of the Christmas season here in Spain, and for a lot of the world actually, uh, Christmas itself is a holiday which has come along within the last 20 years. It's always existed, but the commercialization as it is in the States has not come along until 20 years, roughly. I mean, I was here in the winter of 96, and I remember that in the stores there was like a small corner with <laughs> like Christmas wrapping and with like a Christmas tree you could buy. You know, it was a like a small piece to a department store and when I moved here in 03 well things had radically changed <laughs> um, and and every year it's, it's grown it grows leaps and bounds um, because you start to see a lot of things like the lights and a lot of the ornaments like you have like the lawn ornaments that you have in the states things of, the, of that nature that, uh, you know, once they are no longer in, in the States, they brew them over here. And now that, thanks to the internet, is more or less the same. I mean, you, you see it at the same time here. So what's always been 
celebrated here is the coming of the three wise men or the three kings or however you want to look at it. Uh, this is something that's celebrated in most countries, uh, namely the U.S. and France are the only two that do not celebrate this day. Uh, for a lot of people living in the States that are of Christian origins or believe in a Christian faith, they celebrate, or I know a lot of uh, Hispanics and Latinos, and uh, even I saw somebody on Facebook today mentioning that uh, her family's Irish and that the Irish celebrate today as well. The Italians do. Um, uh, you know, people that usually are Catholic actually probably celebrate it more, uh, or at least that I'm aware with, because that's within the denomination that I grew up in. Uh, but Again, a lot of Christian-based religions or religious people in a Christian faith uh, celebrate today. So, um, I was playing catch-up with Ear Peeler because yesterday was a whole to-do with my kids going to, you know, some some early celebrations. And then today was all the present giving and, and things and my kids are lucky as shit because they get, uh, and I can't complain because I get stuff on Christmas and I get stuff on today as well. Uh, my youngest son gets, w within the span of a month, he gets his birthday and these two. And I have I have a aunt that was born on Christmas Day and she's always, well, she always, she no longer complains. I guess she's used to it, but would always complain that people would forget her birthday because the holiday was the same day. So I've always tried to make sure that my son gets, um, you know, gets enough stuff. And I know there are people out there that don't believe in any of this stuff, but, you know, hey, I've always enjoyed it, so, so I do it. There you go. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a, a turntable today. I've been collecting vinyl again for the last few years and didn't have a turntable. So my wife actually got the indirect hint and, and got me a turntable. Um, I'm very happy <laughs> because the, the gift, -given se gift giving season per se doesn't always end up as a happy one. Let's just leave it at that. But this year things were cool. So there you go. First thing I played was Kiss Destroyer, because that's the first album I ever listened to. Uh, then I put on, I've been dying to listen to this. I had a, uh, a remix of George Michael doing the, the Seal and uh, Temptations mashup of Papa Was a Rolling Stone. And I had a remix of that on vinyl, which doesn't appear anywhere else. So I wanted to listen to that. Uh, I played... I played side four of Metallica's Death Magnetic, The Day That Never Comes. And it was cool because that's on, that's 45 speed. And then I had to play Kisses Creatures of the Night, which is how I balanced our home cinema so that I had enough bass to uh, make that sound right. So that's that was the litmus test. So... So very cool. I'm contemplating doing an, an all-vinyl show, although, yeah, a lot of those old records still have those good old scratches and skips and, and things like that, you know. This definitely is not a, a techniques uh, turntable, so it, it 
the turntable usually goes between you know 120 and 100 and there's a a supermarket that we go to that which usually has a lot of kick-ass stuff for for good cheap prices and they had it for 60 so i was sort of mentioning it to my wife sort of insinuating it and the last day we went food shopping she i guess pretended to be pissy about me talking about it and she went out and she got it yesterday so so very cool anyway so anyway yeah so getting back to all the stuff that was released last week so i did the uh, top albums with chris vaglio my cohort from galaxy of geeks podcast Uh, Also released an interview with Graham Bonnet and also did an episode where I just played music. I just wanted to play music to sort of, you know, start to wet the old whistle for some other podcast that I've been planning for quite a long time now. So the other shows that I have going on now, which I debuted two episodes last week. One is the, as I mentioned, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast where... I just talk about different things. I like to talk about tech things. I like to talk about just different things that I see on social media or whatever and that I don't want to talk about here. And basically, um, shit, I've been saying basically a lot. I apologize. So what I did with episode two is I talked about the comparison between Android, the Android and the iPhone. And I hope you guys enjoy that, and you can leave comments right there on victormruiz.com. If you go there, you will find links to where you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, and you can find all the social media links associated to me there. Find my Twitter, my Facebook, LinkedIn, so on and so forth, Instagram, Pinterest. If you want to check up on any of that crap, you can do so there. And the other thing that I released last week was the debut episode. It actually, with the turn of the new year, new show. It is called No Metal Cred. And I have a few episodes already recorded of this. It's a bi-weekly podcast, which is a half hour long. And it features music that wouldn't fit into the whole Mars Attacks hard rock metal type things. So there's different types of rock music, different types of pop. Uh, There may be other things that I venture off into that definitely would not be welcome here. And if you want to check that out, you can go to nometalcred.com. Also, what I've done is there are links to all the various shows and sites that I'm associated to right on marsattacksradio.com. So you can find links to that there. Also, this coming Sunday... At uh, midnight Central East, Central Eastern Standard Time, which is basically 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, you can get to listen to the reboot of Fusion Sonica, which is the first podcast that I started. Instead of this being a Spanish-language podcast, it is now a hard rock and music podcast. Lasts a half hour long, so similar to No Metal Cred and what... What's going to happen is one week you'll get one podcast, the next week you'll get the other. So if you're a fan of this show and a fan of the other stuff that I do, you can check out these various shows as well. I understand that maybe you're not interested in listening to any of the other stuff. That's cool, though. I mean, I've got a bunch of different things going on, and 
Uh, I'd be grateful if you do check them out, but if you don't, you know, I understand not everyone has the same taste in music or taste in subjects. Uh, I do have Galaxy of Geeks as well, uh, which for those of you that haven't checked that out is my uh, geek-related sci-fi, TV, movies, comics, so on and so forth uh, podcast that I do with Chris Vaglio uh, on a regular basis. And again, he was the co-host on episode 145. And also have Ear Peeler, which is the podcasting news site where if you want to check out, you know, podcasts that feature interviews with a artist that you're interested in, you could go there, put in the artist's name and see all the podcasts that come up. If you want to search by genre, you can do that. Uh, we've also added gear reviews, lessons, uh, we're branching out into wrestling podcasts, sci-fi podcasts, uh, possibly within the next few weeks we'll add more comedy podcasts as well. So keep a lookout for all that stuff. You can go to earpeeler.com for all that great, great content. So there you go. So what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into a track by Superjoint and then we're going to go right into the interview with Steven Taylor, bass player of Superjoint Ritual. I guess most people first became introduced to you with your work with the Illegals. How did you first come in contact with Phil and get involved in that band? Uh, through the old guitar player, Marzi Montezari. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was jamming with him uh, prior to him getting the call to uh, come out and jam with Philip. And then uh long time advance eventually came around to me getting the call. Uh and just went down there and executed, man. So it was like that, a friend, friend of a friend deal, sort of, you know? As far as transitioning over to Superjoint, is it the same type of deal? Were you were you just asked to sort of become part of the band, or, or did... With uh, Superjoint, uh, I had already been in the Illegals for a couple of years, uh, and we had already, I believe, we were already going through a transition of... Uh, a guitar player. Uh, and so I happened to just be over at Phillip's house. Uh, we were uh, probably wrapping up an illegal jam session, <clears throat> the writing session or recording, whatever we were doing at the time. 
and the idea came up for Superjoint uh, to do that horror fest show. Right. And since I was there already, and you know, me and Blue were already locked into each other, I was like, uh, I'll uh, I'll rehearse with the band, you know, if in, until Hank gets here or whatever, you know, that way at least everybody gets to practice or whatever. And, and I think they were putting feelers out whether he was going to be able to do it or not or, or whatnot. Uh, and I just happened to be there and learned the songs and uh, just jumped into the role immediately. You know, I mean, I, I, at first I didn't know, you know, it was going to be anything, uh, you know, other than that, just rehearsing to get the band warmed up for whenever Hank showed up, you know? Right. But obviously it turned into something else because he couldn't make it, and uh, here I am, man. So <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of how that happened. It just kind of was there, you know? Right. It's an awesome coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Lucky for me. Yeah, absolutely. Did you feel any pressure, you know, given Hank's stature and, and sort of what he's become uh, all these years later, you know, not only with his work in Superjoint, but as his, you know, as his solo work and whatnot, uh, did you feel any, again, any pressure to, to fill his shoes once you were given the nod that you were being given the spot? I didn't really, uh, you know what, I didn't really pay too, mind, too much mind to that. That didn't really, uh, I didn't focus on that. I just pretty much dove into the songs and just started trying to dissect them because uh, I only had a couple days to learn them. So I think we learned, me and, me and Joey learned, probably the two albums in two days, I believe. And we just went through all the songs and learned everything. And then I think we were practicing on the second day or something like that. Something crazy. So I, I didn't really have time. To, I didn't have time to think about it, man. I just had to go for it, you know? Yeah. I'm assuming that it was probably easy, easier, you know, since you were there jamming and you, I mean, you didn't have like that looming over you. You were just there to jam. You were learning the stuff and then you didn't find out till later. It isn't as if, you know, it was the other way around where you knew you were getting it from the start. Did that make it easier? It was uh, it, it was pretty challenging to tack all those songs and start rehearsing right away. Uh, uh, I, again, it just the the. I mean, no. Uh, I, I just didn't thought of Hank three. It, it didn't enter my mind as far as like trying to fill the shoes or anything. Uh, it was pretty much just an easy progression into the band really okay it's like put on a whole shoe or something you know? <laughs> gotcha obviously anything phil does um, meets a certain amount of attention due to you know his legendary status that being said how different is the situation recording with Superjoint as opposed to the illegals actually we've been going back and forth between both albums uh the last year or so uh <clears throat> writing for the illegals and then switching roles and then writing for Superjoint and then going in the studio for Superjoint and then back in there for the illegal. So I've been kind of, you know, switching roles from bass to guitar and back and forth. And uh, I'm pretty in tune to the way uh, Steve Berrigan and Philip operate over there. It's a, mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a well-oiled machine once we get going, you know. We've, we've done an incredible amount of work uh, in the last year and, year and a half it's it's just ridiculous is it difficult to separate between the two well again i just go for it man i don't give it too much thought i mean I, it's a little strange uh it, it, it takes me a little bit 
to switch from bass to guitar because obviously, uh, you know, I'm grinding away on a bass and then I grab a guitar and it feels like I got a toothpick in my hand, you know? So <laughs> it takes a little, it takes me a good hour, a couple hours to get used to jumping on a guitar, you know? But uh, I attack it the same, so I do approach it any different, really. Gotcha. Okay, so there's nothing, you know, that you have set in your mind that you want to do differently based on the different projects. It's just you're switching instruments and you're, just trying to do your thing on each instrument. I mean, obviously, with the illegals, we're doing a little something a little more extreme. Uh, you know, we're exploring different avenues, and I mean, I, we we dive into so many different styles. I mean, people would be amazed. Uh, there's some things we just did that gonna blow people's minds, man. <laughs> to know that we're capable of doing. I mean, we can go from the most extreme balls out craziness to the most delicate piece of music that you know you can think of so we're all over the place man that's awesome to hear that's that seems like that's a um a lost art with a lot of bands where it just seems like they find one thing they want to do and they don't stray far from that it, what's really cool is that uh you know this little tight core of us between the illegal and super joint uh every one of us and you know there's not too many different players in that band but uh are capable of uh, doing what I just described too. So working with all those people that can uh, deliver, man, it's just it's incredible. Which is you know raises your game while you're in there. And you mentioned you're hanging out in Houston. You originally from Houston? No, I'm really, uh, originally from New Orleans. Uh, been living out here for about nine years for the second time. Oh, okay, cool. Because actually, the question I had was based on. Um on Nola and the, and the whole area. Um, it just seems from an outsider like myself that there's just a certain mystique to the area, um, a certain enchantment, and <laughs> certain enchanted place, especially when it comes to music, with how the city of New Orleans permeates through different styles of music and whatnot. How important is that area to you when it comes to music? Well, I think... Uh I mean, I was born and raised there, you know, lived there most of my adult life. Uh, so, uh, you know, the music and the magic that runs through that city has been ingrained in my mind since a child, you know. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, just deeply buried in your, my subconscious, I guess, you know, and draw from it as we try to write and create, you know. But it is a magical city, man. There's no place else like it in the United States, really. Uh, you know, a lot, lot of great music, a lot of great vibes, great people, great families there. It's, it's, Louisiana is great. How is the scene down there? Since there's so many different types of music that are that Louisiana is known for, from blues to jazz to obviously you guys being metal what is it like for uh for, for musicians can a musician sustain themselves just from playing in the area or do you really need to um you know branch out to really make it i would think it depends on what you're kind of going for what sort of musician you are i mean if you're like a rock band type musician or if you're a street musician or if you're a smoky bar blues cat or you know you're a cover band guy it seems like there's a little bit of room for everybody down there 
the scene is always I'm I, I'm kind of uh, disconnected from the scene down there, even though I am part of it in a sort of a weird way, living out way out here in Texas. But <clears throat> uh, there's enough diversity there for everybody. That's that's for damn sure. As far as making a living at it, uh, that's hard to tell, man. I don't know. I gotta I gotta subsidize my my uh, income now, so. Am I actually making a living at it? I don't know. Houston is also known, or Texas is known, for being a metal state or a rock state in general, and blues. I mean, so many, so many different great types of music has come out of there as well. Texas? Yeah. Texas. Yeah. What difference do you notice from if you were to compare Texas to Louisiana from a musical standpoint? I can break it down very easy for you. Texas is on top of the beat. New Orleans, Louisiana, is behind the beat. Gotcha. And that that's as simple as it breaks down to. <laughs> awesome. That's as simple as I could that's as simple as I could put it, man. And some people understand that and a whole lot of people don't understand that. G- growing up a drummer myself, I understand exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> awesome. You're one of the few. <laughs> <laughs> I know drummers who don't understand that. Phew. It's a big difference. Right. Speaking of Texas, you guys are going to be playing at Gas Monkey uh, in a few weeks. Yeah, we're doing the uh, record release at uh, Gas Monkey in Dallas. Uh, great, great venue. Great people. They take care of us really, really well when we go up there. Awesome venue, man. Is is there anything that fans can expect from the show? Any type of surprises or anything that you can let us know? You know what? I'm kind of in the dark about what's all going down. So, uh, actually, I'm heading down to Phillips tomorrow. I'm gearing up the rest of the evening tonight and loading gear and uh, going to be heading down there. So I'll probably know more once I get down there. But uh, as far as I know, I'm just ready to run the set and uh, ready to jam. As far as anything else, I have no idea what's going on. You guys have any other dates planned uh, maybe for next year? I think we're uh, setting up a tour in January, so look out for that. Uh, not sure how far we are on the planning stage of that. I think we're pretty close to making an announcement probably in the next little bit here. We've talked about illegals off and on during the interview. Mm-hmm. What's the exact status for the album that you guys are working on? Uh, as of uh, this week, I believe the vocals are done. Uh, okay or very near done, unless Philip has some uh, change of heart on a few things. Uh, other than that, we're pretty close to uh, wrapping that thing up and uh, going to mixing and mastering, I guess. It's been a long It's been a long wait for that one, I know. <laughs> for anyone that isn't up to speed, what's what's the current lineup like? In the, uh, in the Illegals, we have, uh, you know, of course, Philip, me, uh, Joey, and we have Mike DeLeon, and Walter Howard and uh, Mike DeLeon is uh, best known, I guess, from uh, MOD. And uh, okay. we have uh, Walter Howard, another uh, <clears throat> metal cat from San Antonio. He was a good buddy of Mike. Mike brought him in, and uh, he was an instant hit with everybody. So uh, lineup solid, man. We're just ready to fight. Take it out there, you know. If anyone wants to keep up with you or anything involved with either one of the bands, where should where should they go? Uh, probably just housecorerecords.com. Get all the latest info. 
thehousecorerecords.com. Is there anywhere on social media, or they should just go there and link? Oh, uh, you can check us out on all the Facebooks. Uh, I haven't been to my band page in, in ages, man. Everybody wants to be on your personal page, so you can just look up Stephen Taylor, or, you know, uh, on Facebook and find me pretty easy, I guess. Hit me up. This is Steven Taylor with Superjoint and Philip and Samoni Illegos, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. little bit of the track there clickbait and before that before jumping into the interview with steven we played the title track a little snippet of caught up in the gears of the application and from listening to phil's interview with chris aiken from the classic metal show i definitely recommend that you go out and check that interview out he talks about what that title means and basically how it talks about getting caught up in the gears of social media and believing all the hoopla and all that shit and people believing their press, I guess. And that sort of leads into the whole clickbait thing as well. And I don't know, it just seemed applicable with uh, my whole push with Ear Peeler where I try to do quite the opposite with that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. In any event, I want to thank Liz from Earsplit Compound for... Uh, helping set up that interview with Steven and cool. It was, I mean, the first time I got to speak to him and, you know, one of those things where you keep your fingers crossed, maybe you get to talk to Phil, but twas not the case. Um, Chris actually has a very long rapport with, with Phil and was cool to hear them talk because, you know, a lot of these times you hear interviews and it's very paint by numbers. It's very generic and, uh, in this case, you could really tell that Chris had a invested interest in talking to Phil and really catching up with him. It, it was it was all good. It was it was interesting. So Phil's making the rounds now, and he's done a bunch of really cool segments with Loudwire as well, which I've enjoyed. And I don't know. I mean, we all know what happened earlier last year, and you know, I think everyone definitely deserves another chance and I don't know it's really not up to anybody I I don't know I I don't want to get too religious here or anything you know I know a lot of people say well you know you shouldn't judge people and to an extent you know there are certain things that 
I think people form opinions on that they, they honestly shouldn't because it doesn't affect their life one way or the other. Um, he's, and again, being a fan of wrestling, this goes back to the whole, uh, there was an incident with Michael Hayes year, years ago and there have been other similar incidents and I think without knowing a person and just checking out, you know, what they say in the press and whatnot, you kind of have to give them a benefit of the doubt. Yes, Phil has had his issues in the past, and I I think it's that way with a lot of different artists. I think you need to have a specific psyche or you're, you develop a certain way or your brain functions a certain way to be an artist because to live with some of the conditions and some of the things that they go through, obviously not everyone can do that. So there you go. In any event, that's it for this episode. Uh, in, in future episodes, I hope to couple these with getting back to doing some of the unreleased episodes from the archives and to make these a little longer, so that way we round them out for about an hour, but this episode's going to be about half an hour. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed my interview with Stephen. I hope you come back and check out other episodes of Mars Attacks, uh, working behind the scenes to get things with the classic albums column going. I promise this month, I hope I can keep up with that because we're meeting all types of roadblocks. Uh, which I may discuss in the future. In any event, let's uh, let's jump on the first track off of Caught Up in the Gears of Application. This is a track called Today and Tomorrow. And remember, any of the sound samples that you hear during this episode, you can go to the links in the show notes and pick this album up in or from, I should say, from Amazon. So support the band you love and support us at the same time. Uh, you know, the band gets paid. We get a small percentage for providing a lead to Amazon. You don't pay anything more. So there you go. Thanks again for listening. And this is Today and Tomorrow. Bye. Super joint. See ya.
Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 